You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. Come get some. Beware, I live. IGN Gamescoop. I don't know what that means. Red Solo Cup, you're at a house party. All the senior alpha guys are trying to get you to look Not you. Inappropriate. Why were you, you, like, going through puberty when you were (laughs) at a frat? He's also also a freshman at this party. True. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Games Group. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. With me this week is Christine Steimer. Hello! Jack DeVries is here. Hello! Ryan Geddes. Hi! And Greg Miller. Talk about phoning in a cast, huh? <laughs> That's what you get. What's that? Two o'clock on a Friday. I'm sick. <laughs> I'm sick to my stomach right now. Uh, we've got some beers. Uh, it's Halloween Eve. Ooh. All Hallows Eve. No, actually, Halloween is actually it's All Hallows Eve. Sunday. This is... Oh, I'm sorry. Right. I, well, oh, no. I'm thinking t- tomorrow's our big Halloween party. Yes. So I'm, I'm thinking tomorrow's Halloween, but... Do you want to tell them about the cop-out yeah. costume you just came up with? How about a cop-out costume? Here's it's the first costume Damon costume. Hatfield comes up with. He's got to have a future theme to this party, this party, for this party. Or so, past, or so, some random time. Yeah, well, I'm not trying to keep Roaring 20s. People. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to keep it on track the here. Party okay. it has a theme, though, of the Roaring Twenties? Each three, three, three time periods. Okay. Your costume has to fit into one of the time periods. Okay. Which I think is So dumb. Caveman, Halloween Agreed. is already 20s. a theme. I don't understand. <laughs> Well, the, we, none of us got off our ass to throw a party, so we didn't really get to make the rules. That's what it comes down Next to. year, we should just throw yeah, our own yeah, party. Yeah. I, what I think is lame about it is that they, they set this, these rules way too late in the game. You know, it was like, late. People it already late... have their costumes. True. And, you know, you so they're all just going to be in the future. And I need just to lie. hear the tears still. The Caveman, tears? Roaring Twenties, future. Okay, yeah, right, now I'm with you. All right. Damon has agreed to go to the future, like most of us. Uh-huh. His original idea was the dynamite one. He was going to come back... It's, in, it's not too late. He's coming back in time in a lab coat with crazy future sunglasses and a stethoscope. 
and he's going to say he's a doctor from the future, and in his world, there are no more breasts. So he's come back to this time period to examine breasts and try to figure out where they went wrong. Right? Awesome. Which is a perfect excuse to touch the breasts of every girl at the party. A Which pimp, will not happen. A pimp costume. See, well, see, I, see I, that's, well, you're not Christine touch, says yeah, no. You're not going to touch Christine's breasts. Well, I know. I okay. <laughs> yeah, granted. Yes, obviously. But I'm saying I think you're going to get – you'll at least get a lot more petting – so, well, so yeah, my other idea is to be a connectable. Uh-huh. And uh, so, I tried, I tried to work something out with Clemens where he was like the player, the little little kid player, but he he doesn't want to do that. So why I do you still, need a partner? That's why I'm saying everyone everyone can be the controller and I can be the connectable, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like so, it. I think that, so. Jack likes that. Yeah. Which was I which mean, is we better? All, we all know what Christine? I do at parties with big cats. Yes, I know. <laughs> so, like, I know. So I'm, yeah. I'm going to get some Jack action for <laughs> yeah. sure. We have a for picture sure. of it from the yeah, Nazi party. Do. Uh, are you coming to this party, by the way? Uh, yeah, well, you know, now that we're on a theme, my costume doesn't work, and I liked my no, costume. No, it doesn't work. What is it's it? It's fine. What's I'm going to do it. Fuck it. Oh, darn. Sorry. No, it's okay. Okay, good. Yeah, F it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to... Well, I don't want to spoil it. Uh, oh, okay. What do you mean? Surprise. It's a surprise. You already know the rest of So... Yeah, well, that's dumb. You like Connect yeah, okay. as a woman, mm-hmm. if you were to come up to me and be like, "Oh, I'm a doctor from the future and I'm studying boobs," I'd be like, "Ugh." Okay, see, that's good to know. But I figured, if you're like, I, I, I had no idea. I would, I would be like, "That's adorable." See, I, 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 you're I knew. Adorable. I have those same cat ears and cat tail too. Would you like to go get a manicure later and talk about boys? <laughs> it's not a costume for you, Hatfield. <laughs> yeah, you got. There's a. Well. There's definitely. It's a tricky line because you can go. Creepy, real easy with that costume. With being a connectable? No, no. With, yeah. What? With dressing oh, with being, as a cat? Yeah, yeah, yeah you like can a, go into the creepy rage yeah. real fast. Well, now I don't know what to do. Hmm. Oh, now you're now it's too it's, loud. Well, now that everybody's sorry, Damon. Everybody's <laughs> now that everybody's talking loud. It's all that. I, I won't I, speak again. Which is it? Which, <laughs> I, uh, wh- wh- which costume is better? Um, I don't know. The the the, the cat one is a little neutered. Okay. Right. That, but that's okay. It just now, depends on... I wasn't planning on being like like creepy with with the doctor idea. I was planning to be very professional and polite. And you know, would you would you would you mind uh, helping out my cause? <laughs> would you mind that's volunteering? Awesome. Would you mind volunteering to help my research? And then I would just have a stethoscope and I could just you know just like doo, doo, doo. And okay, I, and make I some notes say... and like maybe take some measurements and weigh this. You know, you know. You that do sort have of thing. one guarantee. And that is Scott Bromley's girlfriend, Stacy, yeah. will happily yeah, show you her boobs. Uh, yeah, you, I know. And she might. You don't need to be in a lab coat for that. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I, I know. But I'm saying maybe one of her friends, should she bring one, will be like, oh, me too. Here's the important, you know, you never here's know. The important frame that can catch on. Christine's knock on the boob costume had. This is the frame she yeah. was missing. You're coming to a party where most people know you or will vouch for you. That's You're not and, some creepy random person off the street. And people are going to be drunk. And girls are, are, are every girl dresses sexy on Halloween anyway. Yeah, not really. This is my thing. Not really. Are you going to dress sexy? No. Yeah, she is. Okay. Her lots of lots of girls sexy. do. Lots of them do, but not every girl dresses sexy. Okay, it's sorry. Stupid. It's awesome. Stupid. Huh? Well, it's stupid because it's not really. It's not really it's what. It's not. It's it's half-assed and thrown together. That's you, can be, you, you can be the, Wait, the so girl. you can be the little girl. You can be the little girl controlling my them if you want. <laughs> controlling your connectable. Yeah, Greg does not look happy about that. If you want to do that, I'm fine with that. No, but what, it was originally is uh, Green Lantern, yeah. but my mask is black. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I'm the only nerd at the party going to recall you on that. I'm going to call you up. Also, well, now Green he Lantern is, is and now everybody that's listening on. will. They don't care. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. We might need to find some spray paint or something. It's yeah, Green it Lantern lady. Hmm. It's not hard. It's well, here's, not... here's the thing. It, 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 there's a whole setup. To, there's a frame to this costume as well. I like the frame that you're using now. In the future, Greg Miller has died. 
and the Black Lantern ring has come to Earth and reanimated his corpse. So I'm zombie Greg Miller, but I'm the Black Lantern Greg Miller. So yeah, I'm wearing the Black Lantern cool. ring, zombie, Black Lantern shirt, ready to go, ready to start some mayhem. However, when the people out on O heard about this, the Guardians were like, no, sir. And they sent a Green Lantern ring to Earth to activate Christine Steimer as Green Lantern. This is the way I hate her, you so much sometimes. Who's wearing her? It's a way to put people to sleep. At yes, the I know. <laughs> Jesus. Like, looking at their watch, their like iPhone. Oh, I have to take this. <laughs> I'm going to wear my orange ring and just... But Roll do in. you have a green ring for me? Yep. Oh, all right. Your costume is easy and it is sexy. How is that sexy? I'm you're wearing wear a t-shirt that's too big for me. Exactly. And you what said you're going to cinch it with a belt and you're going to have tights on Ultimate goal to have a party. Well, to have a good time. Which is well, if it's to just to have awesome. a good time, then you wouldn't be like trying to figure out which costume is going to get you touched by girls the most. What do you consider a good time? That is a good time, though. Yeah, what are you talking about? No, it's not too big. I would say that the uh, Connectables one is probably going to limit your ability to just enjoy the party. I Will think it? You're gonna have to be, I don't know. Are you trying to you be You might be worrying about your tail. Are you trying to be like, I'm a cat, lol, like, and have to do it? Or are you I'm just going to like... cat, lol. We should be keyboard cat. Take the <gasps> guitar. Dude, yeah. there, there, rock band there band. we go. <laughs> okay. There you okay. Go. Okay. Okay. Well, I forget. What color shirt? He wears a blue yeah, shirt. Blue, blue shirt. shirt. <laughs> it's a white cat, though. It's a yeah, it's an orangish cat. Yeah, it's, orange. it? it's yeah, not he's white. Got, he's got orange he's and tabby. like white. Well, we can yeah, research him. Well, let's okay. pause this podcast and go to the Spirit Halloween store and get you some cat ears right now. I know. Now. So we like this. I can yeah. just I can yeah, use yeah, the yeah. keytar. Yes. I am keyboard cat. That, keyboard that's cat works. Great. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. Finally. Oh, that's such a weight off my shoulders. You know, However, that means all that long I'm gonna come up behind you drunk <laughs> and grab your arms. Girls will grab your arms and you say, I can't do it, you have to grab my yes, arms. Exactly. Yes, yes, that's it. right, yeah, yeah. Okay, I also then, know how to play the boobs. What kind of <laughs> <laughs> Oh god. What actually it's true. Like I, I am a uh, I'm a virtuoso boob player. You are actually. a musical genius. What, what device do you have that you can put behind the? That's what I was wondering. We have to have that theme do playing, right? You have to be able to push it once. And yeah, have it, have you don't have a Casio on. keyboard. You could program with it, do you? I don't. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, like any sort of audio recorder where you can just record audio and it would have a playback. Yeah, but it will be loud enough yeah. for people to hear. It's like, man, yeah. I don't know. It I'll won't think be. about that one. The party will be louder than your. Okay, but now I've got a good costume. I will be keyboard cat. We can put that to rest, and All we can right. actually get on with game scoop. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, games. So since we've got this big party, uh, this epic party we're going to tomorrow night, I'm going to lay low tonight. I'm going to stand and play uh, Undead Nightmare. Yeah. Ooh, but it got such a bad score. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's not very good, actually. Christine reviewed it this week. Gave it a 10. I did. It's better than Halo Reach. Oh, my God. And yeah, Red Dead uh, Redemption. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, to clarify, that's uh, on the scale of DLC. It's not being compared to other full retail games. Yeah. Although some people are apparently confused about that. Yeah. But in terms of DLC, it's pretty damn awesome. It is really ridiculously good. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's just it's such a cool idea to take a serious game that takes you know place yeah. in reality, supposedly, and then just say, well, now it's a crazy B-movie. And they B just movie. had fun with it, and I yeah. think that that was what I liked most about it. Yeah. You could tell that they didn't take it too seriously. No, no, no. Which, like, oh, which Rockstar has definitely been guilty of in the past. Yeah. It was nice to see so those I thought characters it was good. It was refreshing. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a, lot of, a lot of throwbacks to side mission people, to people you dealt with on a daily basis. And as soon as I started it, I, I played like an hour the other night. As soon as I started it, I remembered how much I liked John Marsden. Yeah. Right? yeah. Totally. Such an awesome too. character. When he's like sits there, sitting, when he's sitting there with his son trying to get his son to open up to him, it's like, yeah, yeah. man, this is great. Yeah. It, really it, it already has made me want to go back and finish the original game. Because I never did, and I watched Steimer beat it, so I was kind of, I had kind of had a completion to it, but I... No, I'm ready yeah, to go so back. you know what happens, but you just proper. haven't played it. It all happens in a forest preserve, FYI. You gonna play this, Geddes? I am. See, I was telling Christine earlier, I didn't finish Red Dead Redemption, mm. and I lost my save during my go- move over to, from the 360 to the Slim. 
Mm. So somehow I lost it, and uh, I was just really not feeling like starting it back over again. You think you ever will? Yes. Okay. But you don't. I, you don't need. I know. That's but I need some time to. Yeah, you know, I'm, you... I'm in, into Fallout now, so I can't see myself doing it anytime soon. So maybe over the holidays, I'll play Red Dead and then go to Undead Nightmare. But like, I don't want to play Undead Nightmare without having finished Red Dead Redemption because yeah. I know like characters come back and stuff. So yeah. I want the full context for it. I see. Yeah, that's what I put in there. Like, it's obviously a lot more special for you if you've already beaten the game because mm-hmm. then you get all those references and this you'll was really supposed love to the be end. my special day. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, Under Nightmare, very cool. Yes. Please download. Uh, two uh, big music game reviews went up this week. Uh-oh. <laughs> First is Rock Band 3, which uh, Hillary gave an 8.5, I think, across all platforms. Awesome. Rock Band's st- still really good. It's just kind of, you know. Still Rock Band. Yeah. Well, uh, there's the new the keyboard controller, of course. Which let me down. Let you down? You don't like really it? Really annoying? Just I, playing it. Yeah, yeah. Because exactly. I think the actual con- oh, the the hardware is really well made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you play pro mode or like normal? I played the normal. Thing. Normal's crap. It's just really yeah, boring. But then it's like, how long, how much time do I have to dedicate to get good at pro? You can play it on easy, just fine. <clears throat> okay. If you really want to like get, it takes a long time to get good at it. But I was able to like just do it on easy, and I felt like I was still having fun. Okay. Unlike I felt like I was having fun. I felt like I was having fun. <laughs> I know in my heart I that wasn't I wasn't quite sure <laughs> that I'm a liar. But speaking of not having fun with music games. Uh, I love the strapline for uh, Power Gig. Your Power Gig review is, is one of the best I've seen in a long time. Power Gig Rise, Rise of the Six String review by Jack DeVries. Do you know what this, the strapline is? I do. It's fantastic. I don't. Tell me. This game made me power gag. Nice. Really good, Jack. This game was sunk from the beginning. This game yeah, never. Was, oh, I thought you were reading from the review. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just yeah. saying. I just wrote it off right first sentence. <laughs> I yeah. never thought this game would be good. No, I, I knew that game would would from the first time they yeah. showed it to us. It was really it's, unfortunate. I mean, especially like the wind got taken out of their sails like the week after their announcement, even because Rock then, Band Three. We're like, going to teach you how to play guitar. Uh, actually, Rock Band, we're going to do that as well. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to do that better. Yeah. And you already own all the equipment, so yeah. exactly. Yeah, so, it was a bummer. So it's got a, it's a real guitar controller. I say real. With quotes, because it's like a three four three quarter size guitar. It's a three quarter size electric guitar, but it is like a full six string. You can't plug right? it in to an amplifier. No, you can. I, that's what I said. Oh, you can. You can and, you can. and play it. <laughs> that's correct, yeah. Damon. You can. <laughs> We're all in agreement. I vehemently agree with you. Um, yeah. So, like, I mean, and you can buy uh, three fourth size guitars like at Best Buy and stuff. They actually like, if you're a kid, they kind of like. They well, give you those, and it's actually those that same company that that makes that does all the Walmart, the big box store. You know, they sell instruments in big, big box stores like Walmart and Best Buy. That company is one, the one that made Power Gig, right? So it's it's a legit guitar. I mean, it doesn't sound great because it's a beginner's guitar, but I mean, like it's it's fully there. It's it's weighted weird. It feels weird when you're holding it because there's all that like garbage in it's, the middle. It's full of technology. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's so many technologies in there that it makes it seem. Oddly weighted, but um, but yeah, it totally works. But I mean, at the same point, if you want a guitar and you really want to learn, the game doesn't actually teach you that part. So like, it's normally when people say, "Oh, you may as well buy a real guitar," I'm like, "Shut up, that's not the point." But in this instance, yes, you should go buy a real guitar because you got a real guitar, and then you got this crappy game that didn't teach you to play it. So, so. just playing the game now, you you can't just like walk away from the game and and plug it into an amplifier and know how to play that song. No, if someone said, hey, can you run me through a couple power chords? I could be like, yeah. And that's it. That's literally all you have. And I didn't actually learn what the notes were. 13 minutes, mm-hmm. by the way, is how long it took Greg to drink his first beer. <laughs> hey, it's Halloween. I'm going to have some fun. <laughs> I'm sorry. Continue, Jack. Yeah, but so like you just, 
You don't learn, whereas Rock Band like, teaches you the actual notes, tells you what the notes are. This did it by numbers. So I actually don't know what any notes I was playing. I'm like, I told, I was talking to Anthony. I was like, yeah, I played the, the like the third six, note, the six power chord. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, that's what it says. It says six. Yeah. He's like, that's not a guitar term. At all. <laughs> Dude, let's, I mean, let's give me a six. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of like guitar tablature is kind of like that. You have your like six strings laid out horizontally, and then there'll be numbers on each string that tell you which fret to push down. So it's kind right, of right, like well, that. The, frets, the but, frets are numbered. But, right. there's no, but, like, then, but then they also do the strings. Yeah, so like, it, I learned I learned a power chord six on red fret. That's what I, that's <laughs> wow, what I learned. Wow, that is oh. crazy. So I don't know what that means. That's, that's technically the third fret. So if the three should have been a number, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. So. so would you recommend Rock Revolution over Power Gig Rise the yeah. six string? What are the what's the no, score? What's no, the score on this game? Power Gig was four point oh. What what did we give Rock Three, Revolution? Three, right? Yeah, Three, Three and a half. Who maybe? who reviewed Rock I reviewed Revolution? Rock Revolution but I can't remember what. I can't believe was. that was, was lower than Power like, Gig. Uh, yeah. We'll see. Rock that one that one came out same year as same year as Rock Band Two, right? Or yes. shortly after, yeah. Yeah. and had covers. Yeah. Had drums that were ugly. Were ugly. <laughs> well, and you couldn't. <laughs> These drums are ugly. Yeah, the drums you had to use their drums, yeah. and it was like this weird circular, didn't make like sense. play school like yeah. block learning thing. This like this game sucks, but you can use all your rock band stuff mm-hmm. if you want to, and you can play the game just fine. It doesn't have bass in there for some reason, but you well, know. it's not called Rise of the Four String. It's true. <laughs> so and bases have four strings. Oh, oh, no. I can explain these to you later, Greg, if you want. Thanks. To. Yeah, we'll meet up afterwards. And I can inform you on the Black Lanterns. Oh, good. Yeah, that, <laughs> anybody wants to come by for that conversation is welcome to. Did you talk about the drums, how the, how the drums work? Um, the I didn't really go into them in the review because um, we did not really get to play much of the real drums. Yeah, funny story. Drums work that. fine on the rock band drums I played with. Yeah, but the drum controller for Power Gig is this batshit crazy <laughs> sensor that le- oh, you just put yeah. on the floor. <laughs> and then you play, the you play air drums over it. What? And it's like there's a, a, a sensor for the snare drum and for the cymbal and for the tom. Uh, and you play, so when you, it's supposed to read your arms stupid. just hovering over the. Yeah, because so. everybody's fantasy is to play it's drums to play in invisible the air. Drums. Yeah, air drums. So you've got a real guitar and air drums. And the, and the, the, the money had to go possible. somewhere. The money had to go somewhere. It went right. to the gu- guitar, all right? <laughs> yeah. And then the, the, the punchline of that is that the drums aren't actually available at retail. What? You can only order the drums online from the official so website. So how much is the game? Hmm. It's $180 with the guitar. No. Okay. Just guitar so and game. How much, is, <laughs> yes. how much is Rock Band 3 with instruments? With all know. instruments? I, I, yeah, I don't know offhand. With, okay, well, the pro stuff gets expensive. With all instruments for uh, for pro power gig, I can't even think of what it's called, is $330. Jesus. I'm sorry, Band, $230. My bad. Rock Band is like, one, it used to be $179 or $189, right? Rock Band? Yeah. yeah. Rock, the Rock Band set. So you're better off buying Rock Band mm-hmm. and then going to Walmart and just buying one of those cheap little guitars off the shelf, and then you have both. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you buy this thing? And instead? if you want, like, and when you're starting to learn guitar, I don't know why you would get an electric guitar anyway. Like if you get because an acoustic, can't take, cool. you can't take that to campfires. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It's what you want. When for. you have when you have a, like a, if you get like an acoustic guitar, you can get them really cheap. Like I yeah. mean, they're made of like balsa wood and they sound bad, but like they, they go pretty cheap nowadays. <laughs> cool. That's okay, a, a wood joke for all you. Balsa wood's coming, Jack. <laughs> yep. To crafts. Any any fear fans in here? I've never played any no. of the fear games myself. I played number one. You played yeah, Fear. I liked that Fear hallway one. made of blood yeah, in the go. beginning. I remember that. There's a scary little girl Spoilers. in these games. Yeah, yeah, Alice. Alice. Blood socks. Yes, that's true. 
Levi, Levi Buchanan is a big Fear fan. He's a big Fear fan? Yeah. So Fear 3 has a release date now, March 22nd, 2011. Uh, re- originally scheduled to come out this holiday season, but like so many other games, delayed into next year. Anyway, for I- any Fear fans out there, mar- mark your calendars, March 22nd. Does anyone really mark their calendars anymore? I do. Yeah. I do for other things. Mm-hmm. Not games. Greg Miller. <laughs> yeah. Would you believe that the PlayStation 3 is selling and the PSP is not? What? Yeah. It's it's a portable PlayStation though, David. It's like everything's upside down. The world's upside down, Who right? Wouldn't want to Please play these tell minis. me there's another question or another item coming up here soon related to the PlayStation universe that we can talk about. I'm sorry. What? What? Thanks. Good job. That really kept the conversation rolling. <laughs> Here's what's going to change these PSP sale numbers, right? Yeah. Flick fishing just came out as a mini. As a mini. And I can only imagine it's dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with that. Yes. Um. So, PlayStation Three sales are up. Yeah. Uh, they sold three and a half million uh, uh, over the last quarter. That's up over three point two million the the, right. the quarter before that. And uh, the PSP sales of the PSP are down fifty percent. Five zero. Wow. Yes. Well, that's not fifty percent. <laughs> no, nobody wants. To, I guess it's just because so many people have them already. It's like the Wii. Yeah. Everyone has a PSP. Yeah, that must be it. I can tell yes. you why I'm on the fence. Why? About PS3 and PSP. Yes. Why would I go into a store and buy either one of these products? When in just a few short months, I'm going to be able to go to my local cell phone store and get a PlayStation <laughs> telephone. Yeah, Damon. that's true. Like, it's going to solve all of my problems. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm waiting. You're I'm going to get wait. rid of your iPhone yeah, at that well, point. Why You're going to have you a PlayStation. The iPhone was you know, too simple, too small, too compact, Where are too the shoulder appropriately buttons? priced. <laughs> nobody, nobody wants that. So you don't buy the PlayStation phone? You don't buy it. Not yet. It's not out yet, Damon. <laughs> I mean, come okay. on. No, I know it's it's real. You've seen pictures. I just um I think it's hilarious. You think it's hilarious? Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah, I'm 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 being serious. We we well, not the, the days of, <laughs> Don't patronize me. No, no, I thought once. you were you're you're just egging me on there. I, I think that the days of a gaming phone are are gone. We missed I don't think we ever had them. I think we had the engage and then it blew up. What is the, what is the, the iPhone then? The idea that that was the dream, you know, that that was what we were eventually going to have. Like there was a time when it was like, well, you know, these handheld gaming devices are eventually just going to be like merged with phones. Like, and we we imagine that as a DS with the DS buttons with the telephone on it or the PSP. But really, it's like the iPhone and Windows yeah. Phone Seven and Android and these types of things have have already that boat's already sailed. So. Okay. What do you think, PlayStation expert? That sounds bright. I think the phone sounds dumb. It sounds underpowered. It sounds like it's going to be really expensive. Uh, I don't see... Yeah, I mean, people aren't buying PSP Go's to begin with. Or PSPs. <laughs> anyway. Just had a phone on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you put a phone on there. That's PSP Go phone. Now we're talking business. Yeah. Yeah. That's PSP a nice Go ring to it. costs a lot more than mini phones. It's, it's been lower. Yeah. It's one ninety nine now. Thank Still costs a lot more than many phones. So. What phones are you out there buying for two hundred dollars? Yeah. It's worth buying. Well, I'm just saying, you, people, you can get what you can get a, a jitterbug phone. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what that is. That your grandma <laughs> uses with the giant buttons. <laughs> a track phone. Is that a real thing? Yeah. It's called the jitterbug. Jitterbug. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So moving and shaking going on over uh, with those Japanese developers. Ah, yes. Yeah. Keiji Inafune from uh, Capcom. He's been uh, the head of research and development. That's R&D, what I like to call it. (laughs) He famously declared that Japanese games are BS pretty much. He declared... Behind the times. During TGS this year, he declared uh, the Japanese game industry is dead. (laughs) I was at that... (laughs) 
Was that that press conference? He said He's that- made this joke to you. He was like, yeah, you know, oh, you know, yeah. you we know were, Geddes, the we Japanese were, game industry is dead. We were just waking up. He was making me breakfast in bed. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> scandalous. Yeah, he, he said all through the night he was saying things like that. He yeah. said, like, if you go down to the, 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 the show floor at TGS this year, you're not going to be impressed by anything. Mm. It was true, right? And that was it true. It was true, yeah. <laughs> was true. I mean, he's kind of right. Like, we talk a lot about yeah. how the Japanese game industry has just been Yeah, but then around. Capcom went ahead and announced a bunch of junk that I wasn't interested in. Yeah. So I mean, like, like, there, like uh, DMC, like like DMC and Asura's Wrath and yeah. uh, some There's DLC else. for uh, Dead Rising Layton versus and, Phoenix Wright. Ooh. I, would, I would buy that. Actually. Yeah, that's gonna be yeah. cool. <laughs> Hopefully. Anyway, he's leaving Capcom. What? He's announced. Yes. So he's been there for 23 years, and now he's leaving Capcom. Doesn't say where he's going. Uh, I'm sure. Sh- do, do you say? have the? Uh, the article on you? Yes. Can you read his line about there his girlfriend? Something. I'm sure yes. he handled this very professionally. That's okay. Yes. That was, I'm I sure this is a very professional. It. I don't see a line about his girlfriend. There was. Oh, and, Jim and, really dropped the ball on that story then. Yeah. He, I believe he awesome says line. something along the lines of, I wish this relationship could have worked out like I <laughs> wish my relationship with my girlfriend could have worked out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. What a crazy public statement <laughs> to me. He actually said like he, the, it wasn't working out. Because it was that's what, his it was that's what I'm saying. Like I, that. I don't have that here on this news. It's on his personal, personal blog. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Jim okay. apparently screwed up and didn't. He's like, I could, line. I could have stayed on in my role and just sat there and been one of the figureheads of the industry, but stagnation is like kills creativity. Or yeah, something. and I am a creator. Yeah, he says something like, "I don't have the authority yeah, to be creator. like a leader, and I don't have the the know how to be a creative force." Like basically, like really emo. Actually, <laughs> so, <laughs> it read emo. like a live journal. <laughs> what was his mood? His oh, yeah. mood, his his mood was depressed. And the, so- the little fox was like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Contemplative. <laughs> oh my god. Memories. What was he listening to? <laughs> A little uh, uh, Venge Sevenfold. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man. Uh, also, Shinji Mikami, Resident Evil creator and recent Vanquish director, uh, his studio is bought by uh, Zinemax Media. Which is the parent company of Bethesda Softworks, publisher of uh, Fallout New Vegas. That's that uh, company Dave Clayman owns, right? Yeah. Yep. Dave, Dave Clayman went over there to buy Bethesda. Yes. <laughs> this is exciting. You think so? Yeah. We don't know what he's working on. No. But uh, whatever his new game will be will come from Bethesda. I was not a fan of uh, Vanquish, really. I mean, I didn't give it a whole lot of time. I mm. kind of put it in and played around. Friend of the show, Kari Walgren, uh, uh, does, is the, the girl in that game. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see what he does, though. Uh, it's, it's neat. I like his work. And uh, Angry Birds. Halloween was released last week. Didn't sell really very well, did it? Really no. really tanked. Really. I guess the uh, Angry Birds craze is there over. There won't be a Christmas one. Was it one million or two? Or? Uh, over a million in less than a week. Oh, wow. That's insane. 99 cents apiece. Uh, over a million dollars in six days. It's amazing. Not bad. Absolutely amazing. We need it. We're, we need to come up with our. Are those guys local? Because I'm gonna marry one. No, they are um, <laughs> Finland. Finland. Uh, you know that's not there, bad. Jack. They're cold. actually not bad too. It's kind of uh, no. those accents are not cute. Not cute. No, but not, they sorry. aren't always sorry, bad. Sorry, Finlandians. <laughs> they speak English pretty well, though. Accents. I mean, it's true. not their you, accents. Would you say the accents could be hotter? Could be hotter. Yeah. Could be hotter. But too. like, man, Scandinavian girls. But they're usually girls, actually excellent. Scandinavian yeah. men are also not not so bad. I saw Die Hard 2. They were not that cute. Die Hard 2? Yeah. <laughs> Die Harder. I did not see that movie. I actually went there, and they are very attractive. All right. 
So oh that movie God. does not do, do the uh, country justice. Favorite kill in Die Hard 2 for me has to be the icicle to the eye. Breaks it off. It's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, that's pretty insane. Yeah. I think that it's when he shot that guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you're thinking of Die Hard 3, I think. How about when he blew up the plane? Yeah. I liked it when he wrote the message on the body and tossed it out the plane. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was kind of All right. Last week we were giving away uh, custom PlayStation Move controllers. Three of them to three lucky listeners. We, uh, we asked them to email us. We were going to pick winners at random, and we did. This, <clears throat> these are, this is a giveaway from uh, Swords and Soldiers. The developers. I died in my PlayStation Network game. Yeah, you, you've game. been playing it? Yeah, yeah been playing Super it. fun. Uh, the developers at Ronimo Games were nice enough. They've got, they were adding move support to their game, so they curated these three custom PlayStation Move controllers. Uh, they wanted to give them away to three lucky GameScoop listeners. We have the listeners. We have the winners right here. Nicholas uh, Perzanowski from Middlebury, Vermont. Chris Riddell from Cincinnati, Ohio. And Graham Stewart of Montague, Canada. Congratulations. You are our three winners. Nice. What are the odds that all three PlayStation Move owners also <laughs> listen to GameScoop? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that uh, is good. Uh, that uh, is good. Hey, hey what, are you million, uh, what are you playing Fallout on? What's that? What are you playing Fallout on? Move. Yeah, I'm playing it on Move. No, I, am playing, <laughs> I am playing Fallout New Vegas on PlayStation 3. Yeah. And enjoying it. How much did Sony pay you to say that? Not a lot, but there, did, there were lots of firmware updates. <laughs> yeah, yeah. there really true. were. And installing. Winners, uh, I'm forwarding you. I've got your addresses here, so I'm forwarding your info to uh, Ronimo Games, and they're going to be getting the uh, move controllers. What's off their the game? Uh, Swords. Swords what, kind, what kind of game is it? Oh, that? it's like a 2D RTS. That's great. That works well, really well in consoles. It's like a cartoony, fun little RTS game. What's it was move? on the Wii first. <laughs> it was on the Wii first, which <laughs> is why. Sorry, Craig. Wow. <laughs> you guys were. <laughs> See a version. dinosaur? <laughs> 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 <Don't know. laughs> yeah, it's true. But what's the move integration? Well, so on, on the Wii, you could use the move to like, you know, it's uh, RTS, so you're making selections on screen, oh. and you can scroll left and right. Yeah, you so. need to move far ahead to see what, you know, you're going up against. Ah, mm-hmm. I see. So it's good. Please do enjoy. Uh, this week, I have a, a copy of uh, Halo Reach Legendary Edition. What? That I'm giving away to a listener. So uh, That's a really great edition, by the what, way. What all is in there? Um, you get not only the game, but you get a... a the big thing is Dr. Halsey's journal, which comes in. It's, it's, a, blister pa- it's a blister pack. It has like a leather-bound thing. And it's um, a really cool, um, like, almost like a little novel within within the... <laughs> Great opening three periods of time. True. Yeah, it's really cool. It yeah. basically tells the story of Dr. Halsey's um, sort of from her beginnings all the way up until what happens on Reach uh, in this journal. It's all like illustrated. It's it's really well done. Eric Nyland worked on it, who's one of the Halo novel writers. It's really cool. So same same setup, listeners. Email gamescoop at ign.com with the subject line Halo Reach, and uh, I will pick a, a winner at random next week to win that and get that out to you. Hey, let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. This is Arvind Kumar. He says, I had the wonderful pleasure of playing with Mr. Greg Miller and Mr. Colin Moriarty on PSN during Extra Life. I was playing the 3 to 4 a.m. session of Uncharted 2. In my time zone, Chicago, it was 5 to 6 a.m. It was a surreal experience to hear eight people singing Forever Young while getting shot in the face. (laughs) As Greg was on my team, I only had the pleasure of killing Colin about ten times. Anyway, what do you think about ghetto rentals? 
What? Ghetto uh, rentals? In English, it involves the policy of buying a used game from GameStop, evil store, and playing the crap out of it. You then return it under GameStop's one-week used game return policy. Oh. I think this is fine because it is best to, to deprive GameStop of money, seeing as how they make a 500% profit on the used games they buy. Wait, you can Agreed. return a game in a, a week? week? Really? Yeah. You can, but you can only exchange it for another game. And if your GameStop employees are douches, they will try to like not let you do that a bunch. But, uh, Hence the term ghetto rentals. Yeah. Well, it's GameStop's what? own fault you know, I'm not, for I'm not... having their... Yeah, why would... that seems <laughs> like a weird Because it seems like it really is just a trial period. I know. It is. If they really love the game, you'd keep it. Right. Yeah, but the idea that like GameStop is evil is kind of stupid to me. I yeah, I mean, corporate. they're a corporation. Yeah, they're a they want to make money. Yeah, I wouldn't say they're evil, but I also don't. I feel sympathetic. I work for them. them. They're evil. Like, I, also, I also don't care. You know, it's yeah, fine. I don't yeah, care can I call them uh, loophole rentals? I don't think the term ghetto rental really uh, conveys the right message. Do you here. find it offensive? <laughs> I don't find it offensive. I just because you it. grew. Up, I just know you grew up in the ghetto. I didn't grow up in the ghetto, and like much like the Elvis Presley song. <laughs> In the good times. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Oh, you were shot in the face by your dog? I don't know. Wow, there's by your dog? Like, what? There's no defining moment in that song where I'm like, oh, here's a joke about you. <laughs> Is that happened in the song? No, nothing happens in the song. <laughs> I don't know. There's either. a baby crying and he says he's in the ghetto. No, his mama cries. I don't know. Someone oh, cries. He's dead. Yeah, or something. <laughs> anyway, so, no, I don't know. Just the, the, I mean, the term ghetto. It's just kind of a, a weird term that, I don't know. I use it sometimes. I, I do use it, and I don't know. I sometimes feel bad. My sociology minor is uh, is coming back to uh, like guilt trip me around about, about using the term ghetto. This is Jamie Matthews. says, a lot of people get very angry. Subject line, when is it okay to play games for free? He says, a lot of people get very angry at the notion of a person pirating a modern game. But many people play older games, such as NES games, for free via emulators. Although many gamers do this, it is still technically pirating. So my question is, when, in your opinion, if ever, is it okay to play an older game for free? Is it how many generations of consoles have passed since, or how old the game is, or not at all? When the creators aren't getting any money for it anymore, really, right? You figure right now the problem with, you know, a brand new PSP game comes out, somebody rips it and, you know plays it on a hacked PSP, then the sales numbers get screwed with, then that, you know, maybe the effect is that that studio gets, you know, cut back, dropped, they don't trust them anymore. Whereas, like, if I bought Ghostbusters on the NES, I'm already buying that from a used store or whatever, and I'd have mm-hmm. to search around to find it, and so on and so forth. And even then, I'm paying a dollar for it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, my thing is, if you can buy it uh, new, exactly. whether by virtual console, if it's in a compilation, yeah. anything mm-hmm. like that, if you can buy it that way, buy it that way. If not, then, like, yeah, I mean, super old NES games are that's never going to make it to the virtual that, console. That's exactly the way I look at it. At the point when you cannot buy a copy any longer, then I think it's then, okay to, yeah. to yeah. Like, it's, use I, an emulator. I feel like it's it's become fair use. I mean, when yeah. you get cartoons or movies that old, they become public domain. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like obviously, like I think video games move a lot faster than, than other mediums, and I think we need to figure out some sort of like time limit on public domain. When people can't figure out who owns the rights to a game anymore... And that then, happens a that lot. Happens, a yeah. lot. Industry. Then it's time for that game to just be public domain and just go. Gal's Panic was never released in the U.S., so we would never be able to enjoy the, the wonderful world of Gal's Panic if we did not use a MAME emulator. The other thing is, is games that you can't... By well, so games that you can buy new on a on, on a virtual console or an XBLA or a PSN or something that are that are 
uh, classic games, by buying those games that are re-released, you're sending a message that there's interest in those games. Mm -hmm. And it's going to make more of them become available. And it might even encourage, like, take a look at what's happening with Mega Man. Like, you're, you're having new installments in the Mega Man games happening because people are so interested. So mm -hmm. if you're doing all this on emulators, no one's, the, the studios and stuff, they're never going to know that there's really interest if you really want to see new installments or see these franchises come back. Mm -hmm. All right, Deontay Edwards has a question for DJ Damon, he says. That's you. says, I'm a beginner DJ of about a week now. I will be DJing a, at a house party in three weeks. Uh, being a week old <laughs> DJ is, uh, is a very beginner. This is an 80s movie, movie in the making. <laughs> I know, yeah. right? Guys, I only have three weeks to get ready for my first <laughs> DJ gig. Veronica will be there. Oh. She's hot. He says, do you have any tips to get the crowd hyped or to make this party a success? Well, getting grout hyped is pretty hard. What's that? I said crowd. Did it sound like grout? At first it did. <laughs> I thought you said kraut. It's a, it's a kraut party? hyped is really also hard. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So <laughs> you've been DJing for a week, and you're playing a party in three weeks. So you will be a month. You will be have been. You will have been DJing for a month at this party. Uh, you know. <laughs> well, you should be pretty good, right? Yeah, I know. So the most important thing a DJ needs to be able to do is beat match, and it, it it's a it's a it takes some time to develop that skill. So I would say practice that the most, you know, and, uh, and categorize your songs together by beats per minute. So you, ha you have like your 90 beats per minute songs together and your 100 beats per minute songs together. So you, at least you know what songs you'll be able to flow into easily. Uh, I would say focus on that most. Because if you cannot beat match, you are not a DJ. You are an, I, I, you are an iTunes playlist. I, I wonder how many times he's listened to your music or seen a show from you. He's probably just being a wedding DJ. We're just yeah. playing one song after the other. That's what I'm saying. Other. So it's just like, well, I mean, this is this is okay if, advice, but this is not the right right advice. What's the right advice? If you really want to get the party started, we all know you just have to play YMCA at some mm. point, and everything chicken will be fine. Yeah, chicken, chicken dance, dance up in that bitch. Yeah, chicken what dance. What about that uh, Cotton Eye Joe song? Oh. Yeah, Cotton oh, Eye Joe. Oh, yeah. oh, they love, they love not, the electric slide. Yeah, yes. you're not a DJ if you don't have those in your That's arsenal. True. Yeah, for sure. Deontay, what I do, people at I don't know how old you are, and but. <laughs> if you're DJing for people who are who can drink as the evening goes there on, there's no way he is. I'm just saying this is this <laughs> is the, a house party. It's a house party. <laughs> I'm saying this a birthday is, party. This he's, the, he's DJing his sister's bridal shower. <laughs> this is the approach I take as the evening goes on and people people are getting drunker and drunker. They're going to want to dance more and more. So I put the slower hip hop stuff at the beginning of the evening and I gradually increase the tempo of my mixes as the evening goes on. To where you're just playing four on the floor straight ahead dance stuff around midnight when people are hyphy. Really getting pinned. And make sure when you put in the techno. That's later in the evening. Yeah. And the tech nine is all throughout. Well, it's earlier in the evening still, because that's the slower hip hop stuff. Yeah. So. Uh, also, Greg, he says, can your brain think up any DJ names I can go by? What was his real name? Deontay Edwards. Oh, DJ Deontay. That's an yeah. awesome name. That's not bad. Uh, Dijon Mustard. <laughs> Good. DJ Raps a lot. DJ Raps a lot. Dijon is awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, God. Oh, what was my DJ name from uh, our Def Jam Rap Star thing? I can't remember now. Oh, I forget. You can oh, yeah. have that one. DJ Ryan Fresh. No, it was DJ uh, Ryan Fresh. <laughs> Hip Hop Dimension. No, it wasn't. Hip Hop Dimension? You were there. You yeah, I don't remember either. Yeah. Yeah. It must it not have been very good. good. No, it must no. not have been. All right, this is John. He says, uh, love the podcast. Hip-hop persona. That, <laughs> <Yes. was it. laughs> that is really good. 
John says, I love the podcast. Really enjoy listening to it while playing FIFA or Civ 4. DJ Floridora or just Floridora. Just That's Floridora. Yeah, yeah. He says, you really I want to give that one away? Yeah, sure. What do we care? These kids never going anywhere. <laughs> Copyright that. <laughs> Trademark you that. You get mean when you drink. Well, you know that the hard I way. Know. Don't you? <laughs> <laughs> just get beaten every day. John, like she's gonna have another black eye to explain yeah, the neighbors. Christine's right? going to the Halloween party as someone yeah. who got beat up by her boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. As somebody who fell down the stairs. Yeah, 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 somebody, yeah exactly. exactly. She walked into a door. I walked, yeah, let's say I walked into a door. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, domestic violence. Not a joke. Funny. Not funny. <laughs> just like uh, whatever the heck this college boy was talking about isn't funny. Ghettos or something. Ghettos. Yeah. Also yeah. not funny. Yeah. What about Krauts? Are Krauts funny? Krauts, Krauts, Krauts are funny. hilarious. Funny. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> Taliban? Hilarious. <laughs> it's true. Uh, okay. John has two questions. Number one. In light of Fable not having, having a leveling or skill system, why is it the case that game critics, the IGN reviewers, praise the increased accessibility or dumbing down of games while film and literary critics are generally not supportive or of similar attempts in films or novels. So, first of all... How do you dumb down a novel? Yeah. I hate there was no, uh, there was no leveling in this You write uh, Twilight. Zing! Oh, yeah. That's actually good. Yeah, Dumbing down is your term, John. I don't think necessarily... Like, that's a good example. Uh, you know, people talk about, oh, Mass Effect 2 was dumbed down. I wouldn't agree with that. Um, but yeah, games are, a lot of games are becoming more accessible to appeal to a wider audience. And that's because, uh, I mean, game, de- game publishers and developers know what they're doing. They're doing that for a very good reason. They know they're going to sell more copies that way. Ryan is it is an interesting question. Off into space. It's an interesting question. Because, you know, if you look at films, right, like the, the films that tend to get, like, lots of critical acclaim are, are films that maybe don't get a wide release or they're not going to be... Um, you know, a, a blockbuster hit or like a Transformers movie or something like that. So, I mean, there, there, so, is, a, there is a point there. I mean, the, the, the difference is that there's no interactive yes. element to films and novels. And so what, uh, what something like Fable 3 is trying to do is trying to strip away some of the interface issues that and I'm gonna can say keep I didn't people like away. Fable 3. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I the, the question failed. is at what, point, at what point do you go too far doing that? And you, you you get rid of some of the things that we love about games to make it to try and make it more accessible to a wider audience. So I think it's, a, it's an interesting question. Did, did you not like it because it was? I to be... didn't like it. Number one, I didn't really enjoy the fact that there was no health bar, so you're not really <laughs> sure when you're about to die. I mean, you you have a general idea, but it's not like you know a health bar. I can have some sort of measure. Whereas before, it's just like, oh, the screen's red. I better start dodging like a mofo before I die. And uh, the other thing was that they they tried to clean up the screen so that you know you're more immersed in the world or whatever. But then they have this big ass banner at the top of the screen, constantly telling you of your objective that you cannot turn off. So, and there's another reason for that, I would assume, is because they took away the menus, so there's really no place for you to, to find <laughs> your objective. There, there's a, a really bad quest list buried. <laughs> You have to look for it. Pretty hard to find it. But um, I don't know. It's just strange the way they did it. Because then there are also other things that constantly pop up to remind. Like, oh, I just killed a thing. So then this thing comes up saying, oh, you need to kill 500 more monsters before you get this achievement. It's a lot of monsters. Or whatever. And but that's kind of, I mean. There's just that's things now. that come. I don't think that's standard. I mean, Fallout New Vegas does the exact same thing. What? You, kill, you kill somebody with a gun and oh, says, you killed 35 out of 50 monsters with a gun. You know, I appreciate almost, that. I, I, I do too. I think it's fine. But I agree with you that I haven't played Fable 3 yet, but I think that this is the, this is a, 
been going on with that game since the first one. I mean, they've been getting yeah. more and more sort of just broad and to me, unengaging. I don't think that's even a word. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. I, I, I can't. I, I play that game, and I can't. I don't care. It's just. It's like that's uh, what happened with me in Fable Three because I loved Fable Two. I played that game a lot, but then Fable. 3, I just found myself playing it, but not really caring yeah. about the story or the characters, and I, it just didn't. It didn't do it for me. Speaking to the uh, game critics versus film critics comment. Traditionally, there's been a much greater divide between film critic critics and film audiences and game critics and gamers. Meaning, the best-reviewed movies of the year are usually aren't the biggest grossing movies of the year, yeah. but the best-reviewed games typically are the, the best-selling games. You know, your, yeah, that's true. your Modern Warfare 2s and your Gears of Wars and your Halos. And I think that it's because in a way, that, that the way we rate games, there's a lot less subjectivity involved than there is in... In like just in film, you're dealing with just the raw image that's on the screen. With a game, you're dealing with like the interface and you know a leveling <coughs> system and the way the story is told and the sound and the graphics yeah. and all these things. There's yeah. there's so much to consider that when all of that is good, mm-hmm. it tends to be viewed as re- very good. Mm-hmm. Whereas the sound and the the cinemat- cinematography and everything can be really good in a film, but if the story sucks or there's a character that can't act, then the thing is is pant right. So I think that we need the. I mean, we'll, we'll probably get to the point where we're we're all dealing with the same set of criteria when we're reviewing games. But for now, it's there's there's still so many like outliers. That's why we have the breakdown box. We need yeah. that. <laughs> without it in the so, presentation. So let's expand it so that <laughs> yeah, everyone like exactly. can suck more in there. Here's the second part of John's email. He says it's it seems that over the past few months, the average word count of an IGN review has dropped. And I was wondering whether this was A, an anomaly, B, reflection on the length and complexity of modern games, or C, a newly implemented policy. For example, the review of Civ 4 in 2005 was nearly 3,600 words. Christ. The review of Civ 5, however, was only 1,700 words. Two. <laughs> good game. Good game. <laughs> I don't That's how we're nec- review from now on. Good game, bad game, okay game. I don't necessarily think a larger word count is superior, but... As this phenomenon seems to be across all platforms, I, w- I was wondering if there was an explanation. Yes, John, we are making IGN less nerdy. There's only a very small, hardcore uh, part of the gaming population out there that wants to read a seven-page long Halo Reach review, and it's definitely not me. Dan yeah. always talks about it in, I think, an interesting way. All he wants to know when he reads an article, or, you know, he doesn't even read previews for mm-hmm. fun. All he wants to know when he reads a review is the game good. So yep. it doesn't make sense for us to go on for seven pages about every option in the game and everything you can do. Because yep. if it gets down to the game being good, hopefully you're going to buy the game and then you find that on your own. And if you are the type that wants to like read all those things, then you've probably probably been reading the previews exactly. anyway. Totally. Well, yeah, we so did you all that know. for you. Yeah. So yes. like, you know. In SmackDown, uh, SmackDown review last year was four pages. And that, and, <sighs> and even then we were trying to get them smaller. But that's I, there was so much going on in that game, I felt like I had to write that much. And this year I did two pages. And, of course, in the comments, I mean, I got eviscerated for a number of reasons, but one was, who didn't even talk about Match Creator? And the preview before that was me saying, Match Creator is really cool, and this is how it works. And, like, you know, I mean, why do I need to boil something down? You know, for that one kid who wants to know about Match Creator, there's a preview that was already there. You know what I mean? For the one kid who just wants to know if the game works, there you go. This ties in very well to your, the, your first question you had, John. We, by shortening our reviews, we make them more accessible to a wider audience. Yeah, and I think there was a time when it was kind of hard to get information about games. Mm. Uh, and, I mean, IGN was, th- like, was the best, and I still believe it's the best place to get information about games. 
but w- you don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to hunt around the internet for like what a game is or how it works. You know? <laughs> Sorry, the way you're sneezing. Is <laughs> like, right, we have all that information out there for you. Now. Yeah. Like you, when you, by the time it comes to the review, you, when we wrote reviews like ten years ago, it was more. It was almost an instruction manual for the game. Because exactly. there, there, there wasn't that much easy-to-access information online. But now there is. So you want to know if the game is good from our perspective, and we're going to tell you that in, in as that's few it, words yeah. as possible. We're just going to sit – yeah, that's it. I mean, that's what good writing is about. Good writing is getting your point – it's about getting your point across with as few words as possible. The other component to this, of course, is the, the gradual shortening of communication online, which – you know, Facebook and Twitter and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Like things are, are getting more and more compact, but they're brought they're more broadcast oriented because they're going out to more people. Uh, that doesn't mean that we want to sit here and just pare our reviews down to a couple sentences. I mean, 140 characters. Yeah, yeah that'd be... I mean, I actually do want to do that. <laughs> sometimes we okay. Sometimes we want to do that, but uh, you know, we want to we want to ha- say something valuable, but we also don't want to waste your time with a bunch of you know padding that's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. We've already gone over. Anyway. This is Danielle or Daniel. He spells it both ways. <laughs> he, says, uh, he, she spells it both ways. Fake name. I was just wondering what time, what type of game completionist you were. Do you guys tend to want to 100% games or just get the one hard achievement trophy or do you not care? Don't care. Depends on the game. Red, yeah, depends on the Red game. Dead, yeah. I wanted to go and 100% it, but I do not normally do that. A game I like, I'll, I'll beat it. And then I'll I'll look back to see what else there is to do, and if it's like, oh wow, I'm never gonna be, I'm never gonna kill a thousand of that one monster or whatever, so I'll just forget about it. But if it seems like it's something I could reasonably do within a reasonable amount of time, then I'll go for it. For me, it's like I if I really love a game, I'm playing it over and over and over and over again because I really love it, not to get the accomplishment. Mm-hmm. So like with Gears, I do use those sometimes as an excuse to go back and play a game that I like, though. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I want to like I'll go back and try to get things, but. I have to like the game first anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. Like Fable 3, I'm not going back to. What's interesting is that achievements or trophies can provide a structure for kind of continuing to play a game. Right. Like, you, you can go, well, okay, Gears of War 2 multiplayer gives me an achievement for for winning on the Snowblind map pack four times or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I've been playing these other map packs, so I might as well go over to that one and play on that one because I can get an achievement. So, I mean, in that sense, I'll, I'll care. But it's only because I was going to play it anyway, and it's telling me, it's like moving me around the game and telling me where to go. To me, that's why achievements are useful. Because it's like, it's it's sort of giving you an incentive to go into parts totally. of the game that you mm-hmm. you otherwise would Get outside about. of your comfort yeah. zone. Get, yeah. try, sure. try attacks you wouldn't normally attack. But not the, like, just the grind. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah Kill yeah, yeah, 10,000 yeah. things. Yeah. <sighs> I hate that. Yeah. This is Todd Sarney. says, uh, I'm a gamer in my early 30s, as I believe some of you are too. Do you actually like or enjoy what gamer culture has come to contain? I physically cringe whenever I hear the words pwned, noob, <laughs> nom, omnom, oh, or, no! or omnom. Oh, he must hate me. A friend of mine asked the other day if I wanted to come over to have some beers in lols, and I nearly took his what? head off. I even There's tend lol. to stay away from online gaming. I can't stand the lingo. Uh, so are there any parts of gamer culture that piss you to tears? Todd Sarney, you need to chill out. Yeah, go man. hang this out with Craig be... Harris. Yeah. Oh, Who has used Omnom in articles? <laughs> I've seen them. Um, but this isn't gamer culture. This is internet culture. That's true. That, yeah, that's, that's true. Like, Which, you know, they kind of go hand in hand. They go but hand still. in hand, but like, it's not like gamers yeah, invented Omnom. We always say Pwn and we always say Omnom Nom. And the description of every GameScoop podcast that goes up on IGN says, Lulz. Welcome back to GameScoop. You're. you're destination weekly. for weekly Lulz. gaming yeah. news and massive lols. Like, this is, this is part of us, too. Yeah, I agree. I what do you think, that. old man? You Get hate us. us. Come off your Porsche. What are you? What's <laughs> <going>? <laughs> I, 
I love that song. Gettys and I are in our thirties. and I are in our thirties, and we have no problem with yeah. any of this stuff. The thing that I am far less bothered if he's talking about a maturity level, which it kind of sounds like he—that's what bothers him about it. He thinks it's kind of like nonsense talk, and like he's kind of older than that, and he's done with that. For me, it, far more troubling is the fanboy stuff and the sure. the, the yeah. vitriol on comments and mm-hmm. yeah. hating back and forth and and like PS3 versus 360 and all that crap. I think that's far worse. We than, can all agree that we sucks though, yeah. right? <laughs> For babies. Uh-oh. But uh, you know, I don't know. To me, that's the worst thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it always is. So little, the internet always has been and always will Xbox be. Live. All right, last uh, last uh, email here. This is from Chris Eck. Uh, a lot of people write in to talk about how that how they listen to the podcast. They're like routines that they have. The pickles. They're eating the pickles. He says, I played lacrosse in college and had to hit the ice bath every day, three times a day to keep the legs fresh. What? I have six. These are words I don't know. He says, I have six screws in them, two in each oh, foot and two in my left knee. Oh, my God. For the lacrosse? Time to put the lacrosse Well, lacrosse is not, you know, it's a tough There game. is a documentary called American Pie. And in that, there is a character who plays lacrosse, but in the end gives it up to find love on a singing stage. I think you should watch that documentary. <laughs> he says, I'd bring my iPod to the ice bath and listen to GameScoop uh, to pass the time while I froze. I only had to get in up to my waist, so I'd hold it above my head. Ice bath to your waist? I cannot imagine ice bath three times a day. Three times a day? That's painful. Yeah. He says, now I actually play professional lacrosse for the Boston Cannons. There's professional lacrosse? Sorry. Yeah. Very mean, Jack. I'm sorry. You and your lols and your oms. Get out of here, nom. <laughs> I got pwned. It's, very, says, it's very big on the East Coast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. right. That place I don't go to. He says, I have to fly around the country playing games instead Mostly of... the East Coast, though. <laughs> instead of listening to IGN's podcasts and ice baths, you all keep me company on my mini plane trips, train rides, and taxis. Oh. Thanks for keeping me entertained all these years. Chris Eck, founder of X Factor Lacrosse. See what he Ooh, did there? Oh, dang. Huh? Like and it. he's an entrepreneur. Yeah. And good. a professional Next athlete. time he's out here playing in the Bay so Area, screw you, give Jack. I know. I feel send like us some uh, lacrosse jerseys. Yeah, we totally wear them. No, no extra large. I like this. <laughs> I, I need May I have a one Thank you. Thank you. Let us know when he's out here. I'll come with you. We'll rep for extra, what's it called? X Factor. Extra lacrosse. X Factor lacrosse. But he plays the Boston Cannons. For the Boston Cannons. We rep the Cannons. Boston Cannons. Maybe maybe if he doesn't ever come out here, we can look him up when we're out there for Pax East. Pax East. Go watch him play with the sticks out there. Running around in their cars. I can't wait for him to beat your ass because that would be awesome. Beat my ass? With the lacrosse. for? For making her walk in the doors. Jack is going over here insulting his sport. I apologized. All right, then. Also, yeah. Oh, look who it is. It's Dr. Ray from BioWare. Oh, my God. Oh, you only want to talk to Christine and myself? All right. The three of you guys. We want to talk to him, too. Well, you guys can just hang out. Just don't say anything. Can we talk about the PS3? We can listen. Can we listen quietly? Yeah, just listen quietly while we talk to Dr. Ray. This is grown-up talk. Yeah. So, if everybody's ready, go ahead. Sorry. I'll back out um, and let you guys, you know, I'll just, I'll put myself on mute since you guys are recording um, and just let you guys go at it and I'll only interrupt if, uh, you know, Christine does something wrong. (gasps) Just kidding. Okay. So I'll let you guys, I'll let you guys do this. I expect you to interrupt right after Dr. Ray tells us uh, Mass Effect 3's release date. Um, And the ending. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what you're talking about. I know all, but, we've but there's no such it. game as Mass Effect 3. Yeah, we have not confirmed it, nor, oh, nor have we announced it. 
That'd be a great idea. I'm going to take that back to the team and talk to them about it. You should, yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay. Uh, all right, well, so now we have a very special guest here on GameScoop. Dr. Ray Musica from BioWare is joining us. Dr. Ray, thank you for joining us. Pleasure. Uh, it, may we call you Dr. Ray? Absolutely, yeah. That'd be great. It sort of sounds like a television show. It does. We're here with Dr. Ray. <laughs> Uh, it sounds like you could uh, help uh, you know, soccer moms figure out how to deal with their uh, rowdy kids or something like that. Uh, what, what type of doctor are you, Dr. Ray? I'm a medical doctor. I did ER medicine for much years, too. So uh, not, I'm retired now, but uh, I did ER, emergency medicine. I, I feel like I can, I, tr- I can trust you because you're a doctor. Absolutely. You can always trust us. <laughs> Greg and I always, always we're very trustworthy. So you guys, uh, you, you have obviously a lot of projects going on over there at uh, BioWare. A lot of big plans for 2011. Uh, we'll s- you. Go yeah, ahead. We have great. We have awesome teams. You know, five locations now in BioWare. It's things growing amazingly well. We have great people at every location. You know, and so proud of the people because uh, they're doing some amazing games. I think our best, having said all this, you know, like the done all these great games in the past and all the amazing games we're working on right now. I think our best work is still ahead of us because of all the, all the great people we have. Very exciting. So you're going to start off the year. You've got uh, Mass Effect 2 PS3 in January. And then March 8th is uh, Dragon Age 2, yes? Woot. Yes, that's right. Then you also, uh, uh, Star Wars The Old Republic is finally coming out in 2011, yes? Uh, yes, indeed, we've said that. Is, that. is that a release window for that one yet? I don't think we've confirmed a release window yet for it, no. Okay. But uh, it's coming along great. We're working on I'm actually down in Austin right now, and got to play it again today and uh it's wonderful mm. and i know it has not been announced yet but presumably you're also working on mass effect 3 feel free to, to yeah. give us any sort of information on that to, that you feel like sharing <laughs> it would be a logical assumption to assume we're working on aspect 3 since it's a trilogy. trilogy yeah <laughs> we, haven't had, we haven't announced any details on that one yet but sure. uh, i can say that uh, we have some great projects in development and not all of them are announced formally yet so scoop uh, tell us about Dragon Age 2. This is uh, coming after Dragon Age Origins, uh, which was a big hit last year. What, what, what's the sales pitch for uh, Dragon Age 2? What's the three biggest changes in that one? Well, yeah, we're working on a whole bunch of things for Dragon Age 2. It took, took player feedback and fan feedback, uh, you know, the, the press and all the internal, external sources, and really focused on some big improvements in uh, a few areas. Combat is one, uh, really visceral action. Uh, you press a button, something awesome happens. Uh, visuals just really have a, a de- defined, differentiated visual look that's uh, that's uh, unique and powerful, and, and and visceral and gritty and bloody and sexy all at the same time, and a storytelling uh, improvements as well. Even though people love the story of Dragon Age, we're taking that feedback and making it even better. So I'm really proud of the team in all those areas for you know continuing to advance the art. And I, I, having played Dragon Age 2 a whole bunch, I can say that it really is coming together well. I've played it as well, and I would have to agree with you. <laughs> Uh, was it hard to hear the critical feedback from Dragon Age Origins at all? You know, it's funny. Um, at Bioware, sometimes we're our own worst, worst critics, you know, internally. Like you, I remember one time we had a meeting, and uh, I forget which project it was on. It was either Star Wars: The Old Republic, Star Wars Knights: The Old Republic, or uh, another project around that time, I think. And somebody there was a new hire walked in the office, and we're kind of the team was just ripping into this product, and it wasn't clear what they were talking about. We were kind of walking past the meeting room, and you know, the person said, oh, wow, I mean, what, which game was that? Was it like this one or this one that came out that had low Metacritics? And it was like, no, that was our game. And it was like, but that has like 90, 95 Metacritic. And like, you know, we're like, yeah, but we got to make it better for the fans, right? So we, we always look at these 
every game we release, we're always trying to improve them. So we're really proud of Dragon Age Origins and it's done really well commercially. It's done really well critically, but we still think we can make it better. So the fact that we're doing a sequel, the team is just like delighted by that opportunity to be able to take the engine and tech and tools and the story and the framework and the, you know this amazing world that's been designed out and, and build on it and and make defined specific improvements to almost every area of the game that. You know, the look and feel is better, the action intensity is better, the graphics are really sharp and crisp, uh, the characters are more credible and believable. There's this frame narrative now that you do something awesome and then, and then you hear confirmation and, and, and a narration that, that actually shows you why what you did was totally awesome and it improved the world and shows how your choices have consequences. So all those things just make the game that much, I don't know, richer and deeper and, and, and really alive for me. Well, can you sort of recap how... Dragon Age 2 relates to Dragon Age Origins story-wise, because I know some people are still confused if it's after or during or, you know, the sort, sort of, of timeline. Because you're playing this character named Hawk, and, um, and, and it really, he's a, you know, a really important figure in the Dragon Age universe. He's a, uh, initially starts out as a refugee in Lothering in the history of the timeline of the Blight, you know, in Dragon Age Origins, and then kind of, it, it's through a course of almost like a decade, you know, basically his his rise to power, and there's various ways that rise can occur. He becomes a champion that actually has a, a major impact on the outcome of the, of the Dragon Age world. And it sort of jumps around a li- little bit, and kind of that's the way this frame narrative approach works. It takes you through his or her uh, personal timeline and history and shows that the, the choices that you make playing as Hawk, what, how those things then impact and, and um, lead to the world uh, evolving, which is, again, it's incredibly cool to see that in action. But so when you start out as Hawk in Dragon Age 2, technically your Grey Warden from Origins is still out in the world doing, you know, their thing and saving the world, right? Well, it kind of it overlaps, yeah. There's like some parallelism there. And, and you know, then you'll see some cool things that actually kind of bring that to bear. And then rapidly you move from there into post, post-Blight and kind of see what happens in the post-Dragon Age Origins timeline. So it's, it's sort of a mix of both. How is the length of uh, Dragon Age 2 going to compare to Origin? Because I think some people may, may have found Origins almost o- overwhelming. There was so much content there. Well, one of the things we realized is that there's a lot of players who felt that way, who actually really wanted to finish the story and see a defined ending and actually you know, maybe try a different path through it. And, and it, boy, it, it took a long time to play. It took me in one playthrough of Dragon Age. I, I did almost everything in, in one playthrough. I think I finished it a few times. And one of them, it took me like 120 hours or something to, to finish mm-hmm. all the content. And that's a, that's a lot to ask. So Dragon Age 2 is, is, um, is really focusing on the high moments. It's focusing on a really high-quality bar um, and trying to, to, to bring you in so every moment has intensity and meaning and, and a lot of punch. And I don't know if we timed out like, exactly how long it is because it's, it's probably dependent on what choices you make, how deep you explore, um, what kind of things you choose to dive to, into more deeply and, and so on. But, but I think you know, the, the net effect of playing the game is going to be you're going to really say this is a high-quality experience uh, from start to finish, and there are, no, there are no low points. There's nothing that kind of takes you off that intensity. Christine was telling me that in every Bioware game, there's always uh, really strong male characters that she identifies with. Is... Everybody knows that I love Caden from she, Aspect, yes, even though everybody else seems to hate him. <laughs> I, am, I will stand I by I, his side. I don't hate Caden. <laughs> I, no, I have no beef with Caden. And there's always the, the great uh, example of Alistair in Dragon Age Origins. So I just find it really interesting. Do you have a lot of females on staff that sort of help you craft these characters, or are you just that good? <laughs> He's a doctor. We have some female writers, and we, we focus test these things, do usability testing. And 
Well, both the characters you called out were romance interests, I think. So, right. you know, for the for female leads or you know whatever whatever path you're choosing. So it's you know it's sort of this, um, certainly you know we, we we try and create characters that are going to resonate with the audience that, that wants to play with them. But it's always interesting to me to hear which characters are most compelling to different player types. And you know I, I think we sometimes get a little surprised by which characters are the most entertaining or humorous or um, interesting, and they're not always the ones we expect pre-launch, but either way, we try and create a variety of characters that enrich the experience and make you feel like, you know, the world's alive and you get to play, you get to adventure around with real characters that that are people you'd like to travel with. They're interesting and compelling. Caden is somebody you'd like to travel with. Yes. Yes. Yes, very much so. What are the post-release plans for uh, Dragon Age 2, like for, as far as DLC concerns? Can we expect something similar to uh, what we saw with Dragon Age Origins? I don't think we've announced that yet, and that's actually one of the things we're saving a little bit for uh, to tell the fans a little later in the, the PR cycle as we get closer to launch. Well, we do know that there is DLC because of the Signature Edition that was announced. Oh, yeah, no, that's true. We just announced <laughs> that. Um, and, Which is awesome, by the way. There will be some cool stuff that we're giving fans who pre-order that signature edition. And if you pre-order before, I think it's like January 11th uh, next year, um, you, you do get the uh, some extra stuff and as part of that signature edition. So I highly recommend that. And one of the things we're, you know, you know, I guess the feedback we're taking from Dragon Age Origins is that players, really high level, is, is you know, they're looking for experiences that are high quality. They're looking for experiences they can get engaged in um, and, and, you know, that have... Uh, a little more impact, you know, so so I think we're focusing on those kinds of things. And then we'll announce a little more of that later. Now, with Mass Effect 2 on, on PS3, how are you handling uh, the, the fact that PS3 players would presumably wouldn't have played Mass Effect 1 and made all those decisions that carry over into Mass Effect 2? Yeah, we well, one of the things we want to do is provide an introductory experience that kind of eases you through the major choice moments, the, the, the key the key moments and the key choices that you had in, in Mass Effect 1 um, that introduce you into the Mass Effect universe. And as, as you start Mass Effect 2, it starts off with frenetic high-intensity action, and mm-hmm. we want you to have a context for that. So we've actually got a pretty elegant solution that we haven't announced yet what it is in detail, but we're going to announce that shortly as well. But I'm proud of the team for coming up with some pretty creative ideas to, to really give you the best of both worlds and allow you to... To, to feel like you, you've actually had an impact and made some choices that have an impact on, on your experience in Mass Effect 2. I, Mass Effect 2 on PS3 is shaping up really nicely. It's smooth, it's beautiful. Um, I'm really proud of the team that's been working on that to make sure the PS3 fans get a great experience. I think the last time you talked with Christine... Yes, it was at GDC this past uh, spring. And um, I snuck in to... I think I bummerished Charles's interview with you. But... I, I quickly asked, where, where's my Caden DLC? Is it coming? A- and I think you said yes. But we got the Liara fans, their, their you know, rekindled romance. So where's the love for Ashley and Caden? You were you're saying something about you wanted romance DLC, if I remember right. And uh... I just want, I want more Caden. That was, that was what I was most disappointed <laughs> with in, in Mass Effect Any way she can get him. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, well... Oh, that's good feedback. I'll, I'll, uh, again, I'll bring that back to the team. We'll talk about it. Okay, sounds good. How much? Uh, what's going to the subscription fee going to be for uh, Star Wars: The Old Republic? <laughs> we haven't announced any details. For, I don't think we've even announced formally the business plan. Uh, uh, you know, for, that's true. For fans, yeah, it's world tour. But uh, you know, we're looking for the kind of business model, you know, and that, that the fans are very comfortable with, and, and that they're going to find the most appealing and comfortable. 
And, uh, you know, we're pretty comfortable based on our, our testing that the, we've got a really good system, uh, a really good plan there. So the one thing I can say is I think uh, Star Wars The Old Republic is going to be an amazing experience in every, every dimension. It's got the best of breed features that fans love from other MMOs, the exploration and the combat and progression, customization, and, you know, it's, it's a great MMO at the core. But it's got this story that kind of ties it all together and characters that feel compelling and player and NPC VO for every conversation in the game. And it doesn't feel out of place at all. It just kind of really grounds you to the experience and it kind of makes everything else better. Uh, Old, Rep- Old Republic is coming to PC. Could it work on consoles? Uh, that's, you know, we, we've only announced a PC version. So, uh, you know, it, I think there's always challenges with MMOs getting into, into other platforms, things like uh, the interface, and uh, memory memory constraints, you know, then the, even first party first party uh, restrictions around uh, connectivity and downloads and patching is a big one for a lot of first party as sure. well. So, provided you could solve all those challenges, I think uh, bringing an MMO to a console would be feasible. But it, those are pretty big challenges to solve. So, are you guys right sort now, of watching what DC Universe is doing with the PS3 version and seeing how that goes? Oh yeah, for sure. And the stuff Square's done and uh, the other uh, other MMOs there as well. You know. There's, um, I think there's some interesting op- opportunities in the future on consoles and other platforms as well. But right now, for Star Wars The Old Republic, we're focused on the PC build. Just make sure we deliver a great experience next year. So right now, the MMO model has basically been, you know, there's a subscription fee, obviously, on top of the X amount that you pay for the game. And then later on, you'll buy the expansions for X amount of money. But now it sort of seems like that market is shifting into uh, free-to-play, and there have been a bunch of MMOs recently, uh, Lord of the Rings Online was one of them, where they weren't really making any money with the subscription plan, so they sort of switched to free-to-play, and now they're making money. Are, are you guys sort of watching the trends of that as well as you're developing Old Republic? Oh, sure. Yeah, we, we play all these games, and you know, I think one of the things that's interesting, would be interesting to know, is uh, you know, how much money are they actually making on the, some of these games now you know, versus uh, subscription-based games or games that are driven by uh, other business models. You know, it's a, just because just you're making more money than when you weren't making any money doesn't mean you're making you know, a lot of money or that you're really a profitable service that can continue to invest in the content for your fans. So I think that's our objective ultimately is to build a sustainable service with Star Wars The Old Republic that is continually delivering and over-delivering against expectations for our fans and kind of lots of content and lots of great experiences and, and uh, a ton of value so that you feel like it's the kind of game you can play for multiple years and still not be done everything. Cool. So in Mass Effect 2, you had a really ingenious way of uh, explaining why Shepard uh, lost all of all his, his or her powers, powers again and, and started over at level one again. So Christine and I were talking earlier. We were wondering, how is that, how, how is that going to be explained again in Mass Effect 3. Just, how, just confirm you're not going to kill him again. <laughs> We're just sort of like, because here you're going to be starting a new game, you know, over, you're going to be starting your character over from scratch, presumably. So we were just wondering how that's going to work out. I can answer all that, but then Cindy would kill me. So I don't know. I don't <laughs> Cindy's very nice. She Cindy, very Cindy nice. does not have the killer instinct in her. She would understand. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that's something I have always wondered. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. When we formally announce a product that may, you know, the third product in the Mass Effect trilogy, then that that'd be something I'd be really excited to talk about. All right. I have wondered, though, why it's not necessarily standard practice to keep whatever level you may or may not have been at, maybe choose a, a default slightly lower level for those that didn't play the first game, and then just scale the difficulty for that, you and then add the level cap. 
You, you can do that in sequels too. We did that in Baldur's Gate too, as you might recall. Uh, where you started off, I think you're level seven or eight or something in the Dungeons and Dragons universe in Baldur's Gate one, and then you continued on in BG two, and then the same with Baldur's Gate throwing a ball. And there's other approaches like we did in Mass Effect two versus Mass Effect one, and kind of start you afresh and try and provide a, a good explanation for how that fits in. So I think either approach can work well. Uh, so a couple of years ago, Bioware made uh, Sonic Chronicles, the Sonic RPG for DS. And I think at the time it was announced that Bioware was like, forming a handheld division. Is that is that correct? Uh, I think we were doing small games, is what we called it, a small games okay. group. I was just wondering if there were any other plans for any any more handheld stuff from Bioware. You never know in the future. We haven't announced anything formally. And um, uh, the small games group is, is working on some really cool stuff that we haven't announced uh, right now. And... Um, uh, you know, there's, there's lots of opportunities, I think, um, in different different spaces right now. And, and small games as a concept is one we really support. And I love the idea of taking a, a Bioware-style game and bringing that to different places. You know, we got our hands full right now with all the products we're working on, and, you know, the Dragon Age universe, and Mass Effect universe, Star Wars The Old Republic, and some cool stuff coming out of Virginia. The Bioware Mythic team is working on some great stuff, and uh, our small games group is doing some cool things. So there's lots of great stuff going on across our group right now. Some of it's not just not announced yet, so yeah. I can't talk about that, of course. What do you think about the 3DS? I think it's, it's really cool. I mean, it, I haven't had a chance to play a lot of games on it, so I, you know, I haven't had a chance to have a really deep experience with it yet, but the, the, the concept of, of holding a peripheral or a game, a game platform in your hand that actually takes away the need for a peripheral like 3D glasses is it's pretty cool. I think the has a lot of potential, and everything I've heard from people that have been trying it out, um, they're very excited about it. All right, and finally, or I'm sorry, go ahead, Christine. No, I, I was, was just going to say, finally, i got to ask, people always want, you know, you've, you have the Old Republic coming next year, but obviously people always want a Knights of the Old Republic sequel. Uh, on, a, on, a, on a scale of 1 to 10, how, how likely is that to ever happen? 10 being a, an absolute certainty. James Olin, who's the creative director on Star Wars The Old Republic, and he was actually the lead designer on Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic as well, uh, he, he likes to joke, and I, I think it's, it's not really a joke, it's actually true, uh, is that the, you know, Star Wars The Old Republic is like Knights of the Old Republic 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and beyond, and just in terms of the amount of content that you get to play through. And it's really genuinely good. Like, the, your, your hero's journey, your, your, your personal story arc that you can play to, together either solo or with your friends, as you wish, uh, back and forth really seamlessly. And then you combine that with all the, the great world quests and all the exciting things you get to do across the galaxy, you have your own starship and so on. Uh, it really is quite something. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a pretty amazing game. And it, it really is, I think, going to fulfill the... Uh, when people play it, it's going to really fulfill what they're, that itch they're trying to scratch from Knights of the Old Republic. So I'm pretty excited about the Old Republic, and I get more excited about it every day. Cool. Uh, one last thing you're going to hate me for. but um, So there was an article going around. I cannot remember when it was. It was a while ago. About rumors of the next Mass Effect game having multiplayer added to it. This isn't really a question. This is more of a plea. Please no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just you, in the sense, not that I, it, it's more that I don't think it fits with that okay. uni- in that particular game. Not necessarily the universe. I think it would be fine in a, in another Mass Effect style, but not that trilogy game. But yeah. I don't know. For me, it doesn't make sense. Uh, and well, I think that a lot of people are tacking on multiplayer to games. 
Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think the key is to make sure that if you if you add multiplayer to any game, and especially a sequel where there's expectations from fans that are really high, you know, for to make sure the quality is maintained and you're doing all kinds of cool things, um, you know, what, other companies sometimes tack it on. And mm. one of the things that we do when we add features, and not, I'm not talking about multiplayer necessarily, but just like features in general in our games, is we try and make sure that they're really carefully thought through and, and really in, integrated into the experience, so they're going to make it even better. And and if it's, you know, in a game like Mass Effect, which is a trilogy, I think we'd want to make sure that we're fulfilling the, the promise we, we delivered a few years ago when we said we want to have this story arc. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's something we want to really deliver in a high-quality manner. So we haven't announced any details on what we're doing for Mass Effect 3 yet, but I can promise that, that I'm really excited about what the team's doing, and I'm convinced that they're doing the right things. You know, I think they have some great, great features that are being... Uh, really considered very carefully to build on uh, what we've done in the prior games in the trilogy. It's all based on feedback, like all of our games are. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, Dr. Ray, thanks a lot for taking the time to talk with us today. You've got a lot of big stuff you're working on, and we're excited for all of it. Yes. Thank cool. you. My pleasure. Thank you very much. All right. Take care. Okay. You too. Okay, that's all the scoops we have for you this week. Thank wow. you, Christine. He's Thank a you, really Jack. Interesting guy. Is he, that, <laughs> is he the one who said Jim was in good health? Yes. Wait. In good health? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He did. <laughs> At, a, at some event, the, some of the, uh, they were drinking, and oh, wow. he he gave Jim a clean bill oh, of health. Oh, okay, good. Wow. <laughs> and he's obviously not much of a doctor, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> because Jim is on death's door. <laughs> he was drunk. Yeah, okay. So anyway. you know. All right. Thank you, Christine. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Greg. My name is Damon. Everybody have a very fun, very safe Halloween, and we're out. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.